And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, Dan Harari with us. We were talking about his book, After They Came. So you created an Oprah-like president. Tell us more, Danny. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, in my, in my, this, this book, George, is like if I had a genie out of a magic lamp and could make the world a better place. So this guy is saved by aliens. They bring him to the White House. He meets, essentially, he meets President Oprah Winfrey. Think of the character that way. And she says to this guy, Jonathan Tuckerman, who are you? What, what, what's going on? Who are these aliens? What's with this UFO? You were trying to drown yourself in the Pacific Ocean. What's going on? He goes, Madam President, I have no idea. I don't have the slightest idea what's happening to me right now. I have no clue. All, all I wanted to do was commit suicide. Today I turned 70. I hate my life, and I wanted to be dead. She goes, well, clearly these aliens had other plans for you. So she sets him up, George, she sets him up at the U.N., as the world's first interstellar ambassador. And, he, and, she, and the president reunites him with his two long-lost children, and they create a team, Team Tuckerman. And in, at the UN, they get a big whiteboard, and he goes, okay, the president and the aliens want me to, to solve problems. What are our problems? So they go, you know, no nukes. Let's get rid of nuclear weapons. Okay, no nukes. Uh, disease, hunger, famine, clean water, uh, free energy. All these things. So they put everything down on the whiteboard. And once a month for the next calendar year, once a month, this big craft, and it, it turns out these creatures are from Pleiades, by the way, these tall white Nordics from Pleiades. They come to the UN with their craft. They beam this guy up on board once a month. They go, Mr. Tuckerman, what, what would you like us to do? Well, no nukes would be nice, you know, if you can get rid of the nuclear weapons. Okay, no problem. A week later, all the nuclear weapons in the planet, every country, every submarine, every silo, they're all gone. And, and, and this guy's becoming, he's a hero. In a, in a week, he's like a hero. He's like, wow, this is really cool. So over the course of time, the aliens uh, drop manna from heaven to people around the world who are starving. And he asks the aliens, and they go, yeah, you know, we did this for Moses and the Israelites you know, in your Bible. And he goes, you guys did manna from heaven? And, and they said, yeah, you know, where else did you think manna from heaven came from? Hmm. Um, they provide clean water. They cure physical illness. They cure mental illness. Uh, they don't, oh, on their planet, George, they have mountains of gold, mountains and mountains. So they've been traveling the universe for gold. They have mountains of gold. They know it's valuable on Earth. So they donate billions of dollars in gold to human beings to build structures for the homeless around the world. So that's how they handle the homeless problem. They eliminate anger and hatred from human beings. They hypnotize people, if you'll have to read the book. People get rid of their guns. People end racial and sexual discrimination. That's gone. And the big one they say for the end, <laughs> it's my favorite one, George, they reverse climate change at the end. Uh, after a year, they reverse climate change. They build, fix the ozone layer. They, they re, uh, um, refrost the polar ice caps. They change the water temperature so it's correct. So All of this is possible, you know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, be, between if we're, we're so busy killing each other and, and, and hating each other and discriminating each other, if we work together, and certainly if aliens gave us their technology. Oh, that's another thing they do. They give us a, a, a device that will replace oil, gas, and nuclear energy. So they give us free energy. So a year after this guy is drowning, George, one year later after he's drowning, he wins the Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. He's the most, he's the most famous man in the world. They call him the hero of Earth. His best friend is the president of the United States. Is there a movie here, Danny? 
Oh, absolutely. Well, my buddy Steven Spielberg, if, if he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I got hey, what's going on with the writer's strike out there? Um, they just called it today. Yeah, it just started today. Um, the last one, I think, I forget how long it lasted, but a lot of the streaming shows are going to be deeply affected, and the late-night talk shows are going to go dark. I don't know what they're going to show. Oh, that's that. right. Even the comedy writers have to walk, yeah. don't they? I remember years ago I represented Jay Leno for a while, and, and whenever there was a strike, he said, you know, I, I, I can't do my jokes. If there's a strike, i got to honor the strike. How is he after his uh, facial burning? I've not seen him in a few years. I used to, I, rep, I repped him for two years in the 80s. Great guy. I used to hang with him backstage at the Tonight Show. Just when he got, just when Johnny named him permanent guest host, uh, I'd be, he'd be in his underwear and, and I'd have him sign autographs and we would talk and make jokes. And he was a very, very funny guy. And then recently I saw him a few times at a supermarket where we both go. I don't know about his... He, he listens to the show a lot, I'm told. Maybe he'll call in one night. Yeah, yeah. Jay, I hope you, you remember me. Dan Harari, I was your publicist in the 80s for a while there. So. Do you know Kelsey Grammer? I met him once at a Nat B TV convention. Nice oh, guy. Yeah, I don't know him personally. Nice I'll guy. tell you who I'm friends with, George. Maybe you know her, and if not, you should talk to her. Dee Wallace. Do you know Dee Wallace? She was in the movie E.T., right? Dee Wallace was the, the mom in E.T., that's right. Lovely, lovely woman. Uh, she is actually one of my best friends. And I'll tell you a quick story. In 1989, Dee Wallace was the star of a TV show called The New Lassie. They, they resurrected, uh, Universal resurrected Lassie. So Dee was the mom on The New Lassie. I was the publicist for The New Lassie. So Dee and I became very close friends in 1989 and a lovely lady. At the time, my now ex-wife, but at the time, my wife was pregnant with my daughter and was very, very ill with the pregnancy. She couldn't keep food or water down. She was very, very ill. I mentioned this to Dee one day at lunch. Dee said, Dan, I have a cure for you. I'm going to send my acupuncturist to, to visit your wife and do a few acupuncture treatments at my expense, and it's going to cure your wife. I go, really? And, uh, George, she sent this guy, this genius guy, to my wife five times. My, my wife was on IV at, the, at home in the hospital. Oh, geez, not good. And this guy came, did some magic hocus-pocus with his acupuncture, my, cured my wife, gave birth to my daughter. My daughter today, she's listening right now. Hi, hi Anjali. She's 33, and uh, she's healthy and fine. But Dee Wallace helped my daughter come into the world, so I'll be forever grateful. Wonderful lady. Did you think the acupuncturist was going to work um, deep down I, inside? Well, well, it worked for Dee. When I told Dee my wife was, was ill with the pregnancy, Dee said, you know what, Dan, when, I, when she was pregnant with her daughter uh, the year or two before, she was equally ill, couldn't get out of bed, met this guy, he cured her. So I was hopeful, and this guy cured my wife. He, it was a miracle. I think acupuncture is wonderful. That's great. Phones are lining up. Let's go to Brian in Indianapolis, east of the Rockies. Hello, Brian. Hey, George. Long time no talk to you. Looks like I got the Daily Double in tonight. Yeah, you did. <laughs> hey, listen, I'll, I'll be real quick. Hey, Dan, me and my wife are stargazers. We see some strange things up in the sky. I mean, you, you have to see it to believe it. But I want, I want to ask you about the 1953 Kingman, Arizona UFO crash and the alien that they recovered. That they named J-Rod. I seen an interview with a name uh, by a guy named Rob, Robert Hughhouse, I think is his name, who was an engineer who 
who talked with this uh, alien that they had in Area 51. Do you know anything about that? About that? I'm not. I'm not that versed on that one. But George, tell me if I'm wrong. Didn't Roswell? There was one alien who lived, and they called him E.B. Apparently. Right. And then a couple died. A, a few died. They had a few bodies, and one was live one was called E.B., and I think E.B. lived for a while. But, sir, I don't know about that alien that you're referring to. I'm sorry. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Next up, Sue's with us in Heron, Illinois. Welcome to the program. Hi, Sue. Hey, hey George. I've got it all figured out. Finally. The reason your guest dad winked at him when that craft went overhead mm-hmm. so low right. in their town, right? he had designed that. Uh, I believe that's correct. I do. I truly do. My dad designed drones. I think he knew about uh, reverse alien technology from recovered craft, and uh, he was top secret. Everything he did, he never discussed. But, uh, ma'am, when my dad winked at me, absolutely, he knew what that was, and I truly believe in my heart he had something to do with that craft. And that was in 1970? March 1970. And, George, I'll tell you how I remember the date. I remember the date. Later that night, he took me to a music store to get the new Jimi Hendrix album called Band of Gypsies. I was a Hendrix fan. And I looked up the date. It was in March 70, and it was the same day we saw the craft. That's when that was. You'd love our friend Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah, those guys are great. He's one heck of a guitarist, too. Oh, sure he is. Absolutely. Let's go to Brendan in Austin, Texas. Hey, Brendan, go ahead. Hey, thanks, George and Dan. Uh, George, you had a that crazy, famous Detroit neurosurgeon that got murdered over there. I just was reading about that. Have you have you read about that? I've heard about that, yes. Yeah, and then Bizarre they broke story. into his home again right before his funeral. Whatever's going on with that guy, that's nuts. Yeah, that's, that's but, a uh, nutty story. Yeah, very strange. Dan, I saw that you had worked in the Hollywood industry, so I assume that you're familiar with Neil Blomkamp's District 9, Chappie, Elysium. That's my favorite. I think that's going to end up being a documentary. But here's a newer one from Oates Studio on Netflix, uh, the episode one, Raka. It's an episode that is really disturbing. People talk about predictive programming. And in the episode, he has, like, actual medical organs that are in the brain that He's saying that the ET, specifically reptilians, used to turn off our memory, fear, cognition. I was wondering if you had any, if you had seen that or had any thoughts about that. And also, I, I tried to go to ESETI with James, uh, but his website said that vaccinated people can't go. So I'm, I'm kind of happy I got my shot. But it literally says on the website that people that got the vaccine can't go. But it's weird that y'all all got super emotional seeing the UFO. And I have, too. I saw a UFO and got really emotional. And Connie Willis has talked about it. She says you get really excited, really super excited. And then you can feel love, too, like you were saying. But it makes me wonder, is that a control thing? You know, back to the whole episode one with Raka. Uh, okay, so the the craft that I saw at, at ESETI, like I mentioned to George earlier, was it was it, it appeared it it had a conversation with us. It, it, this beautiful green light flashed on and off at least maybe a dozen times, and I'm, it was almost like Morse code, but it wasn't. It was talking to us, and and it literally was saying hello. We love you. 
we're here, we know you wanted to see us, and then it took off. And, and sir, I've been changed. I, I can feel it even now in my heart. I feel changed as a, as a human being from that experience. Um, I'm not familiar with what you mentioned earlier, but I will say something about aliens turning off memory. Uh, the craft I saw with my dad, I forgot about that for 47 years. And other people, I've been doing interviews around the world for the last three months for my book, and people have asked me, you know, Dan, do you think the aliens erased that memory from you, or were you abducted? No, I was not abducted. But why on earth, and George, I'll even ask you, why would I have forgotten such a profound event for 47 years? I really don't know. I, I, I can't put that into words. I can't explain it. It's not programmed into you yet. It, it, it was profound. It was like seeing one of the Egyptian pyramids above my best friend Mary Renz's house. Exactly. And, and then I forgot about it for 47 years. I mean, I, so I, I, don't, I don't know what happened there, but anyway. What do your friends say about your UFO passion? Well, different friends are, are some of my friends are, are quite open-minded and go, yeah, yeah, there's got to be more in the world. You know, there's got to be things like this happening around. And, and my brother, Bob, uh, I've made him a convert. In fact, he and I went to the UFO con in San Francisco last month, Lorian Fenton. I know you know her. Oh, yeah. And um, so my brother, Bob, believes. My daughter, Anjali, believes. And uh, my ex-wife, Anjali's mom, thinks uh, she's convinced aliens are fallen angels. She's super Christian. A lot of people believe that. Yeah, she, she's convinced that aliens, what, what, what we deem to be aliens, were in fact fallen angels or, or angels. Or, or the other way around. Or the other way around. Um, some of my closest friends are open-minded. Some of my friends think I'm a psychopath. But what I say to anybody in general, if you're a skeptic, read the history of ufology. Watch Ancient Aliens. Listen to George's show. Do your homework. Study this topic. Even if just from 1947 on, there's so much data out there. Open your heart, open your mind, and, and you, might be, you might be pleasantly surprised by what you learn. Where do you go next with this subject matter, Dan? Well, um, What's your next project? My next project, well, for this book, After They Came, my goal, and Georgie said it earlier, to be a movie, I would absolutely love. My, my next goal is to, is to get a, an agent. I need a motion picture literary agent to pitch this. I can't send this to Spielberg, but an agent can, and I have some ins with some agents. Right. So my next move on After They Came is to, is to get this to J.J. Abrams or, or um, um, M. Night Shyamalan or people who do uh, science fiction kind of things. Maybe next, even Stephen King with a twist, huh? Yeah, sure, sure. My next project is uh, next January, January of next year, my next book comes out. It's called My Paranormal Life. And My Paranormal Life is different than the UFO life. I've had uh, ghost encounters, specifically, uh, George, with my father after my father passed. I had six very profound moments with my dad as a ghost that just blew my mind. And I knew, I knew he, it, it was him because he was communicating with me. Uh, Twenty years ago, I lived in an apartment in Beverly Hills, and my dead grandfather was a poltergeist in my house. My, uh, we did a Ouija board, and he told us who he was, and it was my dead grandfather. He was breaking glasses. He was throwing things, knocking people against walls. 
It was my dead grandfather. I have a lot of just peculiar stories like that from my life and my childhood. So that's my paranormal life that comes out next. Watch out for those Ouija boards, Danny. (laughs) It was scary. It was scary, but it was pretty profound as well. Let's go to first-time caller Bob in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Hey, Bob, go ahead. Hi, yes, uh, George and Dan. uh, I recently witnessed a UFO over Mount Vernon, and uh, this is the end of their late or it was November 25th this past year, and what I saw was a like a dull silver sphere, and uh, it was I wasn't quite directly under it, uh, but I looked up at the traffic light. I was I was driving, but I was stopped in the intersection trying to make a left hand turn to go up to the grocery store, and I thought the. Uh, two lines of traffic that were coming towards me that I had to cross. I thought they were slowing down, so I took that last look up at the light, expected to see a yellow turning to red. When I looked up, just beyond it and a couple of degrees off, I, that's when I saw this UFO. And I knew I was in the intersection. I looked at it just for two, three, four seconds, but I, I knew I had to get out of the intersection. I was just going up the access drive to sit in the parking lot and eat a couple of hamburgers before <laughs> I went in the store. So I I thought, well, I'm just going to go up there and get out of the vehicle and and uh, get a visual on it, and, and uh, which I don't have a cell phone. I was going to hopefully somebody be in a parking lot try to get somebody to get a video or picture of it. As I, I, I had to really, like, pry my eyeballs off of it, and uh, I made the turn, and I had – extreme difficulty driving i could barely drive and i was thinking i just got to get up here on this in this parking lot and i can get out and look at it and um this is, took like less than a a few seconds less than a minute to get up to where i eventually got and parked and it, it took everything i could do just to drive and as that rolled up the last few feet and parked i Started looking at the tra- the cars on the on the road I just came from traffic, and I all of a sudden I smelt his hamburgers, and I couldn't smell them until other than before all that happened. A close encounter of the second kind. And welcome back to our final segment. George Norrie here with Dan Horary as we talk about his book after they came. Dan, where do people get your book? Okay, so um, uh, Amazon is the way to go. It's Kindle or paperback, and I'm talking to some people about an audio version, but that doesn't exist yet. So Amazon for After They Came, Dan Harari, and if anyone wants to reach me, danhariauthor.com, Georgia, the website, which is on your page, uh, has all my information on there. How realistic do you think the story is After They Came? I think that if they did, well, again, it's a wish list. This is a wish list. But uh, people that have been talking to me and excited about this book, George, uh, like at Alien Con and UFO Con, and I was at the LA Times Book Fair last weekend, people like that the aliens in my book are benevolent. You know, so many stories are they come to kill us or eat us. Yeah, that's right. Mars Attacks, Independence Day, War of the Worlds. To serve man, it's a cookbook. Right, remember, right, Twilight Zone, to serve man. I just watched that the other night again. That's one of the greatest episodes of all time. I loved it. It's a cookbook. Don't get on the ship, it's a cookbook. 
so people have been loving that I wrote about benevolent aliens, and people have been thanking me and saying, you know what, you know, maybe they are, maybe they'll be nice, maybe they'll, maybe they'll help us, maybe they'll get rid of nuclear weapons, maybe they'll cure cancer. Uh, your last uh, uh, caller, Stephen, had so many medical problems, my heart was breaking for him. But um, you know, why can't they be, be benevolent? We we don't know otherwise. They've been here for tens of thousands of years. I truly believe Eric Van Dyneken's correct. They helped craft us. Why would they destroy us? Why would they want to destroy us? Why can't they just help us? So that, that, that's what I'm hoping for. What if they see, though, a society of hateful, bitter people, shootings, mass killings, and they say, let's just eradicate these things? Well, you know, an asteroid killed the dinosaurs. And, you know, was that God? Was that them? Did they look at Earth and say, hmm? That looks like a cool place, but there's dinosaurs. Let's get rid of the dinosaurs. I've actually thought that, George. You know, maybe other beings sent that asteroid to get rid of the dinosaurs, the clean slate. Then they could come here and create mankind. Um, That's possible. You know, look, if if after what Adolf Hitler did in World War II, if the aliens didn't come and just shake their heads in disgust, then I don't know why, why would they come and kill us all now. I don't know. He's the one they should have taken out. Oh, boy. What a character. Let's go to the phones. Charles in Sacramento to get us started. Go ahead, Charles. Good evening, George. Okay, uh, my question for the uh, uh, guest is uh, the volcanoes. If uh, he's done any research for, um, you know, people coming and going, like, you know, when they shut off um, Iceland in 2010 for air traffic. And um, I... I um, want to put out there that uh, the second coming could be like that. I mean, we all saw the cloud, and, um, you know, hey, you never know. Um, the Messiah might come back through that. And then um, I noticed that it's hard to get a satellite view of the north and south poles because the satellites go along the um, equator. And, um, you know, it would be cool to be able to get, like, a satellite view of um, – you know, on top of the North Pole. So, and your guest the other night, Nita, boy, I hope you have her back soon because what she's talking about is so real and it's evolving fast. Like, I'm talking like maybe three or four months from now. And because um, she's real. And um, so, thank you, George. All right, Charles, you want to comment on a few of those things, Dan? Um, I don't really have opinions on those. I'm, I'm not knowledgeable about those things. All right. And, uh, Tell me about the cover of the book. Looks like a UFO in a tree. Oh, okay. Well, the cover of the book was a piece of art that was done by my daughter, Anjali. My daughter, Anjali, is an artist. And I told her I was writing this book, and I said, you know, I think for a cover, I would like a surrealistic, not, you know, so not photoreal, a surreal, surrealistic dream-feeling craft and actually, that swirl under the craft, George, that's supposed to be, if you look closely, there's a little black dot there. So essentially, that craft is, is beaming up a man out of the ocean. The red and the pink on the bottom is the ocean. And that's the craft that came out of the Pacific to save this guy's life. So uh, it's, a, it's a surrealistic dream feeling for me. When I look at this, I just get a happy feeling. Fantastic. Cheryl's with us in Oregon. Welcome to the show. First time caller. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. Good to have you with us. Go ahead. Well, I've had uh, ep- episodes mostly when I was a 
one when I was a teenager and later on when I was in my 30s. First time it was coming home in the AM hours with my friends from Eugene, from Eugene which is like 48 hours from Oak Ridge where I lived at right, the time. Right. And all of a sudden there's this light just as bright as could be, but no sound. That followed us for a good, I would say, 10 miles, and then all of a sudden was gone. What do you think it was, Cheryl? What, what, what's your gut tell you? What do you think it was? Oh, I, you know, when we rolled our windows down and there was no sound, we couldn't see anything, but other than it was like a spotlight, the brightest that could be. It was like daylight inside of our our vehicle. She even had part of her side windows blocked off with wood. So, you know, you know what I mean? It was bright. Reminds me of that scene, Dan, from Close Encounters of the Third Kind when Dreyfus was in his truck. Remember that? Oh, sure, sure. And the mailboxes go crazy. And yeah, everything's going. His radio fizzles out. And, and, and if you if you watch it closely, he even, he even levitates. It goes dark in his truck. All the electronics go off. And then he levitates. His body levitates up into the air. I think that's wonderful. When do you think government will disclose, if at all? I don't think they will, personally. Um. I hope, you know, I always tell my daughter, you know, I hope disclosure happens in her lifetime. She's 33. And she goes, Dad, I hope it happens in your lifetime. I'm 67. Uh, I met Steve Bassett, George, at UFOCon in San Francisco last good, month. Good guy. Steve Bassett, nice guy. Um, I, gave, I gifted him uh, my book. I told him I was a Hollywood publicist. He goes, you're a publicist, really? And, and he gave me his card. He goes, let's work together. Let's work together. So uh, I may, I may be, you may be hearing from me soon with Steve Bassett. I may become his publicist. But he gave a talk about how just since 2017, how it's been sped up significantly. Why? Of course, the New York Times, Leslie Keen, Ralph Blumenthal, the New York Times, the three uh, uh, Navy videos that have been made public. That's right. And, and it just seems to be more, you know, we have this Dr. Kirkpatrick, uh, the head of ARO, A-A-R-O. It seems to be more out in the open. I think people are making fun of it less. Uh, it seems to me the media people are still snickering a little bit, but maybe they're wanting it to be a little bit more true than they realize. Um, Steve Bassett's talk, he talked about disclosure, and George, at the very end, he goes, this is my new hashtag, and it's a hashtag months, not years, months, not years, for, for disclosure. He feels it's going to be soon, months, not years. Let's go to Stan in Seal Beach, California. Stan, before you get going, are you feeling all those tremors out there? No, I don't think so. Well, that's good. Okay, good. Go ahead, Stan. Okay, the question I had, um, do you believe that there's aliens living on this planet right now? That's not something I've studied or really heard much about um, George would probably be more knowledgeable than I would. On We've that. had a lot of guests on, Stan, that think that they are here already, that the part of the hybridization program where they have taken um, babies from women based on whatever they have implanted back into them, that those creatures have grown up and that they're here with us and uh, they walk among us. It's possible, Danny. It's possible. George, do you know Deb Cobble? Heard of her. Uh, so she was the inspiration for uh, for Bud Hopkins' Intruders. She was the real life. I think the ca- character was Kathy. Uh huh. 
she's the real life Kathy. I met her at UFO Con. I just read her book. I think it's called Beyond Intruders. And she was abducted for, for years and years. And along the way, she was impregnated. And then one of her abductions, they took the baby. And then years later, they presented this baby to her. And she broke down and cried because she knew it was her daughter. And it's very touching. She's a very nice lady. I've been emailing her lately. Did you ever read the work of the late Zechariah Sitchin? Uh, Genesis Revisited, yes. That was one of the first books I read, yeah. Incredible theories on how he believes we were seated by the ETs. That makes a lot of sense. Anunnaki, right? Yep. Jackie in Massachusetts. Hello, Jackie. Go ahead. Hi, how you doing? Okay, Jack. Thanks. Just want to let you guys know, I never heard of this show until um, my husband Mike told me about it. So, um, But anyways, uh, I had this experience when I was living in the um, Bridgewater Triangle where this um, figure, I was meditating and I saw this flashing light. Um, And then when I looked up, I saw this tall figure in my room, as tall as my ceiling, with a cloak on. Um, and I, so I couldn't see his face. And then when I screamed to my husband to turn the light on, cause I was, of course I was scared shitless. Ah, uh, I um, can't say that. Can't say that. Oh. Interesting story. Uh, wherever it was going to lead us, Danny, that's it. We're not quite sure. Uh, uh, George at UFO con San Francisco. I met a very interesting guy that you might like to talk to at some point. His name is Mark Glenn Moore. He lives in the Pacific Northwest. I befriended him at UFOCon. And I was telling him my book. Uh, he and I had our, our booths for our, our, our books side by side. Uh, and I told him about my book, and it was Benevolent Aliens from Pleiades. And he looked at me. He goes, what did you just say? I said, it's about Benevolent Aliens from Pleiades. He goes, Dan, I've been abducted on and off since the age of five. This guy's in his 50s, I think. Since the age of five by Pleiadians. They're the gentle, kindest, most beautiful people you've ever seen. They've taken him on their ship many, many times over the years to teach him. He said they're teachers, and I've met, and he's met fellow abductees over the years, and he's learned about the universe. And they said they were kind and gentle, and he was astounded. In fact, he read my book and told me it was he couldn't believe that I hadn't been abducted like along with him because I described the Pleiadians so well. Have you ever met Richard Dolan, by the way, one of your uh, snippets on the back of your book? Not, I didn't meet him, but he and I had several conversations on the phone last year when he gave me that quote. Great UFO expert. Just I, I superb. Be, did, they, they all are. Everybody on the back of your book is good. I did befriend Nick Pope. And uh, quick quick side thing. I represent Musso and Frank Restaurant, George, the famous restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. sure. In fact, if you and Tom ever want a meal, it's on me. But I represent them, and uh, when I met Nick Pope at AlienCon, and I said, Nick, you know, thanks for the quote from my book. I owe you a meal at Musso and Frank, and he goes, Dan, I'm going to take you up on that. Let's go to Michael in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Michael, go ahead, sir. Oh, hello, guys. Thank you for fitting me in, George. Thank you, Mike. Um, Daniel, I'm, I'm from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Okay, my brother. Yeah, I grew up in Interlaken. Are you familiar with Interlaken? Sure, uh, okay, sure. And there's a log cabin there, um, and Bruce Springsteen had his 21st birthday there in the log cabin uh, back in 1970. And my mother was a writer for the Asbury Park Press. She was the entertainment editor. Uh, I'm calling because uh, I, I, well, I have a photograph and, um, of, of me being held by my aunt in West Long Branch with a UFO flying behind us. And, right. 
they couldn't see the, the craft with the naked eye, but apparently, I guess, the shutter of the uh, camera was able to catch the, the movement uh, or the, the UFO. And I, I, I have it on, on a plate. I don't have the actual photograph, but I have it's better than a negative, I guess. So I, I brought this over to someone to look at closer, and he didn't think that it was doctored at all, that, that it was, in fact, part of the, the original photo. And uh, something strange, though, happened from this incident. Uh, my aunt was holding me. I was only six months old, and I believe um, she may have suffered something bad happened to her when this, when this craft flew over us because prior to that, her health was fine. She had no health issues whatsoever. And then uh, she, from that point on, she developed um, some type of uh, you know, aneurysms and, and you know, various very serious headaches. Uh, and uh, she ultimately died from an aneurysm uh, at the age of 49. And uh, I just think that maybe they, they were sending a signal or something and it was intercepted by, by my aunt. I'm not sure, though. Wow. Well, maybe you should submit the photo to MUFON. Are you familiar I, with MUFON? No, but I've never shared the photo. I, 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 you know, um, what's MUFON? Mutual UFO Network. They do, uh, they do a real thorough job, Michael, with yeah, the UFO Michael, studies. They have, they have a monthly journal where they publish interesting photos from around the world. So you reach out to M-U-F-O-N. You should reach out to MUFON. So, yeah, just sure. Google that. It'll pop up. There's various chapters all over the country. Right. They're one of a kind. Dan, we're almost out of time. Give out your website again, sir. Okay, so Dan Harari, H-A-R-A-R-Y. And my website is danhariauthor.com. That is my uh, author website. I have other books there as well. My bio, pictures of me with Spielberg and Jerry Seinfeld and Mel Brooks and a lot of fun photos there. And my book, After They Came, Amazon. And uh, George, I've been wanting to talk to you for a very long time, and I'm honored and, and very grateful that you had me on. Well, keep in touch with Tom. We'll get together when I get back to Los Angeles. I bounce between St. Louis and uh, L.A., and uh, we'll get Absolutely. together. I'd love to take you guys. I'm serious. I'll take you out for dinner at Musso and Frank. I'd love to do that. I'll buy, though. Okay. I'm All beyond right. reproach. I will let you, and we'll talk UFOs and aliens. Okay. You take care, Dan. Thank you, George. Thank you. All right. His website, again, is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. The book that we're talking about tonight is called After They Came, but he's got another one that he wrote back in uh, 2022 called Flirting with Fame. He's a Hollywood publicist. And he knows a lot of people. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDesour, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett, I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.